All right, guys. Sorry about that, dude. Oh, my goodness. Talk about technical difficulties here. You're good, we all good? Boy. Let's fucking go. <laughs> all right, guys. Welcome to another episode of Holistic Roots. Tonight, we are going to be getting into some homeschooling, some problems within the school system. Um, of course, you got myself, Ashley, in the house. She's looking white as ever. Just a glowing ball of sunlight. Ghost. Little ghostly. Hank, baby, how you doing, bro? I'm doing all right. How y'all doing? Doing good, man. Um, and then, of course, we have Drew missing in the house. Drew, how are you doing, brother? Fantastic, mate. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. Long time no see, man. Thank you for being our first guest, too. Oh, happy to. It's a, November. You don't know what it's like starting out in podcasting. It's always great to, to help people out. Oh, really excited it. about having you back in the room with us, man. Uh, I really enjoyed getting to you know talk to you when we had our uh, roundtable over on on my conspiracy show. So I, I've you you know I'm a big fan of yours. I'm I'm constantly <laughs> keeping keeping up with what you put that put out and a lot of what you talk about um, with the homeschooling and non-conspiratorial stuff i feel like a, a good part of it falls into what we try to do over here or what we're trying to do over here with holistic roots and just uh you know keep it ways we can identify problems in the world and make adjustments to you can call it move off the grid uh move towards a more self-sustaining lifestyle however you want to label it uh if there's a way that we can make changes and adjustments to our daily lives, then that's what we're here to explore. And something that touches all of us um, is the topic of discussion tonight with homeschooling, uh, with you being a, a man of education as yourself and uh, Kyle and Ashley do homeschooling. Uh, me and my wife, are literally in the process of discussing how to purchase a curriculum for our kids because we have our children in the local public school system. And for the last, you know, I graduated out of that school in 2009. I went there since I moved up here in 1999. It's been a great school. Well, over the last couple of years, they changed to become a, a charter school. And I didn't really think much about it at the time because it didn't affect the elementary school. Well, my oldest daughter just started the seventh grade into the junior high. And now there's all these crazy guidelines. Like if she misses two days in a nine weeks time, depend regardless of what her grades are, they will take her off of honor roll. If she misses seven days altogether, they can automatically set a court date with the parent and have them charged with truancy. Um, we don't have that here. You guys are really strict on that stuff. Um, and that didn't like used a, to be a thing, Drew. No, like Australia. Oh, I've always thought Australia was this really hardline country when it comes to education. But in talking with my co-host Kaylee, who unfortunately couldn't be here tonight, she's probably doing the most important job there is growing a tiny human in her belly. So 
she's away tonight, but I'll try and hold up the conversation on her behalf. Um, I only found this out through talking to her about the differences between the Australian system and the American. And even though we're Western countries and you think we'd have similarities, they couldn't be more polar opposite in aspects. No, um, the American public school system is not designed to educate a child. As far as preparing them for real life after school, um, when you when you watch old American movies from the seventies and eighties, you you see this, you know, and it's a, a school about or a movie about school rather. You see the stereotypical woodworking shops. You see sometimes yeah. you saw uh metal sh- metal working in in high school you had uh home ec and all those yes you things. had almost yeah. almost a, a vocational trade like classes within the school public school systems and then somewhere in the in the ni- 80s and 90s that all started getting phased out yeah um before we get into this conversation i'm going to preface this conversation something just for myself as a qualified teacher, um, what I'm talking about today is my own personal views and my experiences. I'm not talking as, on behalf as a government employee. So just covering my own ass there. <laughs> but um, a lot of teachers think they're probably the same way as me, um, but are probably too afraid to voice their opinions about the current educational system that we all have, which has changed a lot, Stephen, since when I was a kid. Sure. Sure. Like I had to sit my daughter down and, and look her in the face and apologize to her. And I was telling Kyle about this the other night. She had a little, little nothing major, but a little sinus infection going on. You know, if I wanted to, I could have, you know, sent her to the doctor, let her get some whatever. But because of the new attendance rules, I can't. I can't use one of the only two days she has in this whole nine weeks to miss on the sniffles. And so I had to look at it. So you can't get a doctor's certificate for that? There's they no don't care. allowance for it? They what? don't care. Because they are a charter school, they must maintain on a daily basis 95% physical attendance. Like okay, 95 for- I, I believe the way they got it set up is is it if they do not maintain on a daily basis at least 95% of their enrolled students on campus, then they are ineligible for the state funding that yeah, they okay, get so, because they're a charter school. So what we're looking at is we've got schools that are financially dependent on the system by, by hitting certain quotas. At the same time, I know that your principals or head headmasters get a bonus based on the attendance of students as well. So what you're looking at in the American system compared to the Australian socialist system where kids can have sick days out the wazoo as long as um, the parent rings and lets them know they're not coming in, it's fine. But the American system is very capitalistic in that sense, even within the public system. Um, Not saying either system is better than the other, but we've definitely got a massive issue in the American public system if it's built around... um, profit margins and funding and what you can get money for. Essentially any charter school is using children as like a cash cow. Sure. You look at it in a purely financial sense. And if we want to go back three or four years ago, when river, well, when Rivercrest, the school system that I'm referring to, wasn't a charter school. As long as you had a doctor's note or doctor's excuse. Hell, when I was in school, Drew, a parent's note would suffice. 
you know, but I guess too many of the kids from my era started forging their own parents' signatures and stuff. And so we kind of ruined that. But, but, you know, it, like, as you know, attesting to what you were saying when, when how school has changed since we were kids, you know, it's just, it, I had to look my daughter in her, in her face and tell her that unfortunately the school board members and the people that are above the teachers, I had to make sure very clear that I told her it wasn't the teachers. Not and now I'm not saying there's not going to be that asshole teacher because there's always going to be that asshole teacher, but I'm not talking about the teachers. I'm talking about the people who put the rules over them. The people that literally run this school district, they do not care about you as a student. They do not care about your classmates. They don't care about the, the teachers. They don't care about the parents. Drew, they, they have come out and publicly said that if your student has been given a positive COVID test and you keep them home, that still counts towards those days that they can miss. And if it's seven days in a school year, you're going to court for truancy, regardless of what they, so, so it's um, now check this out. I know that, you know, holistic roots, excuse me, holistic roots, isn't a conspiratorial show, but I can't help but think that there's an ulterior motive for forcing sick students amongst an unsick population. They're well, almost forcing these parents to send their sick children to school. It's the mental gymnastics of it all, isn't it? Because, you know, you don't want a kid at school with a flu, let alone a cold. Like, you're sick, you're sick. You need to rest up, regardless of what's going on. So if we were to put that tinfoil hat on and be a conspiracy theorist, it would be they want kids in school spreading illness so that they can justify shutting down a school district or justify uh, mandates or bringing back certain face diapers. That's what that leads to. At the same time as making parents feel like they're criminals for not sending their child to school and kind of the government stepping in and and taking control now it's gone from a place to where school is school and if you're sick please don't send your students to now where i'm telling my child baby i still love you do not think that because i'm sending you to school when you tell me you don't feel good that it doesn't mean i don't believe you that it doesn't mean that i don't love you because it breaks my heart to have to even t- tell her this, Drew. Like I should not have to do this. Yeah, um, it's it's. Um, I like, had no choice want- whether they chose to be a charter school or not. And true, and what- I did. I don't have to send my daughter to this one. But where I'm from, this is the best public school out of the county that I'm going to get. And that's the thing: like- parents don't have a great choice these days. And what you alluded to earlier. I honestly believe with all my heart that 99.9% of all teachers out there are well-intentioned, well-meaning, and they do care about the students they teach. We see such a high attrition rate in, in education generally across the world. Within Australia, one in um, three teachers drops out of education within the first three years. And it's nothing to do with the job, the pres- really the pressures of it. It's frustration within the system. And if you're a teacher in like your specific system, the frustration is going to be that you see your students coming to school sick, feeling unwell. They're not in a good place for their learning. They're not going to be in the best mindset to actively engage in their learning and get the most out of their day. And you're going to be worried as a teacher, like they're falling asleep in the desk again. They're falling asleep in class. They're irritable. They really shouldn't be here. And that's the frustration probably coming from the teacher's or hopefully you push back on every five minutes they're they're having to run to the bathroom every five minutes or worse and the teachers god bless them 
this, you know, at least for the school in question, can't even be mad at the parents. It's probably really, you know, there's probably teachers at the school that hate it for the parents that are sympathetic. Because is there they an know occupational that... health and safety system within your district or within the states that actually goes against that? Because it seems like what's happening is there's a lot of mental gymnastics where they're giving you one message while doing the opposite at the same time. Because really, if there was uh, an emphasis on student health and well-being, you would ensure that those kids were actually at home resting up, not spreading any kind of viral contagion, right? That's what we've been told for the past three years. That's what we've been told, but then as soon as a dollar sign comes into play, damn the consequences, keep your ass on campus. And so for that, um, I'm sorry, Kyle, real quickly, with with the attendance issues and we have other issues with the school that have just started this year, we're seriously considering homeschooling our children next year. Like, it's seriously... I, I pitched this idea to Callie two, three months ago, my wife, and I thought that I was going to have to like get a strong concordance worth of information to, you know, sit down and PowerPoint my way through why we need to do this. And then as soon as all this crap started with the school, they made her mind up for her. They did my, they did my job real, real, real quick. Like, like they got her so ready to homeschool the kids. It's not funny. And so that's, I've really been looking forward to this, you know, talk with you tonight because I know, you know, as well as Kyle and Ashley with their, you know, experience homeschooling, I'm I'm looking to get a lot out of this because I, I really uh, am upset with the school because, I mean, hell, I'm watching I'm watching the football team play right now. My cousin's out there on the field. My my aunt and my uncle work there. My aunt still works there. She she taught me. My uncle taught me in that school system, like. Hell, every, I don't know. Maybe it's just a, a, a Southern thing, but like high school pride. Maybe it's because Arkansas has no professional sports. And so we, <laughs> and so all we have is our high school. So, you know, but like, you know, it, 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 I was proud to, you know, say I was an alum of Rivercrest. And then now it's just like, man, I, it, that's not the same school I graduated from. I feel like at least when I graduated there, they, there was, the school tried to pretend like they cared. Now there's just nothing. It's all a pursuit of it, at least from me as a, as a parent of, of three students, it seems like all they care about is money and it's really messed up. Um, yeah. It's we're in a strange space in history where within a few short generations, we think that the current education system is the, is the education system. It's what works because we've gone through it. Our parents have gone through it and our grandparents have gone through it, but it couldn't be further from the case in a, in a historical context that the Prussian model, which modern education is based on, that is a blip in the radar of the human experience in history. We would learn by being raised by our families, raised by our communities, um, you would, if you wanted a profession, you would attach yourself to someone. You'd, you'd be an apprentice, you'd find a master. You'd go to the blacksmith, you would go to the farmer. You'd find education in real world experiences. And we've applied what's called the factory model to sure. modern day education. And it hasn't changed. Like how many factories are still actually operating? Half the jobs that people go into, the current education system doesn't actually set them up to work in those fields. So we're at this weird dynamic where... We think we're doing the right thing as a society, but 
in the context of history and how humans learn and how we're designed to learn, I don't think we're doing having the best approach. And this is coming from someone who is a teacher. I love my job. I love seeing kids learn. That moment when they get that light bulb moment, you can see they've grasped the concept or they've understood something. That makes my day. I love it. But at the same time, my own personal views are that kids are missing out on so much by not being at home with at least one parent for the majority of their formative years. Sure. And that's kind of the journey that you guys are going on now, isn't it, Kyle and Ashley? Yes. And we have a similar kind of story where Kyle was, it was his idea at first. He's like, I think we should homeschool. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, no, (laughs) hell no. Yeah, I'm I'm not, I never was like the one to be like, oh, I'm going to homeschool my kids and this or that or the other. I was like, nope, they're going to public school. We all did it. We all went through it. They'll be just fine. And then our first, our oldest daughter, her first year of kindergarten was during the pandemic. And so it was all online or on a computer. And I just felt like that was like setting her up for failure as far as like getting used to going to a public school and being in a school setting. So she just really did not do well with that, like, at all. The whole six months or whatever they were in doing that. It Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Like, we, at the time, we were living at her, we had moved, we sold her place in Northern California, moved down south. So we ended up staying with her parents until we got our shit together. So we lived in the living room, and we had a big divider to give us a little bit of privacy. So we would be sitting in there throw our kid on on her little laptop assuming that the teacher was gonna you know keep everything going and my daughter would put her laptop and would fold it down to where the camera was not pointed on her there was kids screaming in the background i mean it was an absolute shit show and unfortunately that was her first year of school that was her impression of like yep you know school in general and it it just did not go well. So then that I was already like, we tried this and it didn't work. She was not, you know, ready for that. And I pretty much put it off until um, I was friends with one of the head PTA members. And there was a book that came out about like a kid transitioning in their library. And I'm like, that was kind of like my first like, no, like <laughs> you might be onto something, and um, multiple things had happened. There were just teacher issues, and then she was like getting bullied, but then she would be in trouble for it. Like, I would be the one that they would come to after school and be like, Oh, she was there was a group of four girls yelling at her, and she was being mean, and I'm like, Well, I probably be mean too if i had four other girls yelling at me you know like i'll beat their little asses and their and their fucking parents bring it on motherfuckers let's go (laughs) so there just multiple things led up to it and finally i was like all right let's do it let's pull her out and we ended up going through a charter homeschool uh the second half of her second grade year and that was all right but i still felt like a it was still like the common core curriculum which is 
I don't know if they have that in Australia or not, but I would like to know like what you think about all that. Um, and I just didn't like still having to be under somebody. Like I was like, if I'm going to be doing this at home, I want to be the one controlling, you know, what we learn and how fast you get to learn. Cause that's another thing that like, I didn't even do well in school with is like the one size fits all for school here anyways and how it's just like well you know 20 you know or 85 percent of this you know student body are you know they're fit for this but then they're the ones that are like stragglers and can't keep up with everybody else they're just struggling and also we have the no children is that what it's called oh yeah and the obama initiative is that what he brought in yep yeah. yeah, so you can't hold your kid back if they're, like, struggling, so... Two plus three is fucking ten, no matter how you look at it. <laughs> Drew, Two plus we three have, is ten. Drew, we have kids that'll make it to fifth, sixth, seventh grade that can barely read, write, or do basic arithmetic. Yeah. It's not a, not just an American problem, I can tell you that much. Um, oh, I'm sure, we, I'm sure we, it's not. We don't in Australia have a left-behind policy. Um, it's up to parents officially if they would like to keep their child down if it's based on academic reasons. Like, I don't think my child's ready to move up either socially or, you know, they're just not at the level they need to be. But a lot of schools really push to make sure kids continue to go up with their peers at the same age level. Um what you're talking about, the Common Core, we don't have that in Australia. We've got a nationalised curriculum called the Australian Curriculum, which every state engages in, except my state, where we have a Victorian curriculum, which is just a, a slightly tweaked and adjusted version of that. Essentially, it's the same thing. Um, the issue that I'm finding what you're kind of alluding to is that it's a cookie-cutter approach to education. We're kind of expecting all kids to be learning at the same level, expecting them to be... Um, to know and approach education in the same way. And I think Common Core with maths in the States, that's very much that idea of doing it, where Common Core is one approach to mathematics that teaches everyone the same the same um, formulas, the same operations, and thinking everyone's going to pick it up, where right. good quality teachers, they should be adjusting their teaching to the need of their students in their classroom. Well, it's not that it's just, it's not just that it's a, a, one size fits all way to teach math. It's that they, they took the teaching of math, which used to be just a really straightforward, Hey, two plus two equals four. And we know that because, you know, one, two and one, two now makes four, you know, I'm not doing gang signs for any, any of the (laughs) potential viewers. You know, I'm not, I'm not affiliated with any sets this way, (laughs) but it, it, it took, it took the 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 explanation of math and made it significantly more complex than it needs to be. Um, I do you know my, why my the daughter's reason- in, is is in third grade, and when she brings home her math homework and she asks me to help her, I'll start to break down the question like I know how and show my work like I was you know, educated to do. And she'll be like, no daddy, that's wrong. And then I'll have to catch myself halfway to backhand in there and be like, no, she's being taught common core it to her. 
what I'm doing is wrong because she has no understanding that the straightforward way of breaking things down and doing it is actually the most simplistic way. But thank you. Yeah, that is <laughs> in a nutshell. Okay, I'll, I'll give you the 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 approach that they would be arguing for why Common Core is important. It's the same thing here. They teach operations and certain methods in mathematics to promote higher order thinking. Seems like a throwaway line, right? But under their justification is if they can teach conceptual thinking within the mind that's deeper level, it's not surface level, children will be more equipped to go out into the world into jobs that are going to require more advanced maths. So they're trying to set kids up for success. Unfortunately, they've completely thrown the baby out of the bathwater when it comes to rote learning. Like every one of us, when we're learning maths in our times tables, we learnt that by singing the song. We go through the, through the times tables all the way up to 12 just through memorization, repeated memorization. So much so that when if anyone asks you a question, a times tables question, you can just calculate in your head straight away because you know it. What they're doing with a lot of this Common Core is they're teaching kids to visualize the numbers and I'm air quoting here to the point where they break it down into 12 or 15 steps, yes. which is the type of stuff that parents get frustrated with because they kind of go, why aren't you just adding it up in your head? Like why, why are you needing to write down 12 steps to get to a, such a simple answer? And this is the the divide, which is kind of happening within households and parents and, and kids are kind of getting to the idea where my parents can't help me. And this is really setting up fail- uh, failure for families because if a child gets the impression that their parents can't help them with their problems, that subconsciously leaves the idea that parents can't help you with other aspects of life. If your parents yes, can't help true. you answer a simple question, why would I go to them for help? What for good are these old school? folks? Yes. What's, what are they going to help me with? So that's where the government comes said, in. Man. They got your back, bro. Of course. Of I'm here for the government. I'm here to help you. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> speaking to Common Core still, let's say, let, let's take the simple mathematical equation 15 plus 12. Okay. What they've done is instead of telling your first grade student to draw 15 apples and then t- 12 apples, what they've done is they have concocted this system of blocks um, where different size blocks hold different value. Yeah. Um, And I want to say it's on like a tens and ones scale. Yeah. They're called MAB. Can I, I'll draw it and see if this is the same thing. Bear with me. But it's super convoluted. When you compare it to just like 15 apples, you know what I'm saying? Like, it'll be like a handful of. It's like that. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's what we use here. So my daughter will bring me home this question and I'm sitting here trying to explain to her and I'm just like, baby, just draw 15 apples. (laughs) And she's like, no, daddy, that's not how we do it anymore. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you, what do you, because I don't understand what you just showed me, Drew. That makes (laughs) that, that holds no. Error 404, file not found. Like that's that does not compute in the in my brain because 15's 15. I don't understand why we need all these different blocks for 15. And so it's they have 
intent in, in my opinion intentionally created the divide that you that you spoke to so that I can't help my daughter who is eight years old as a 33 year old man I cannot help her with her math homework because I don't know what the hell she's talking about mm-hmm. yeah th- this is really interesting because I was actually taught and I think we're all similar ages here I was taught through the way of MAB in primary school as well so it sounds like America's had a different lived experience but I will push back with this that I actually do value using MAB, um, especially in the earlier years, right? Because it's still physical manipulatives. Like you said, by drawing apples or drawing collections, that's great for um, acquiring understanding of maths. The MAB stuff works really well because it helps kids conceptualize place value, like a place value chart where you've got your tens, your thousands, your hundreds, your tens, and your ones. It allows students to break down the number into its into its base parts, its place value parts. So if they were adding, like you said, 12 and 15 together, they would look at the tens first. I've got two tens, so I know it's going to be in 20. And I've got five ones and two ones, so I know it's going to be seven. Sure. So it's going to be 27. It helps them break it down faster than it would be to to go through collections. It's a it's a progression of learning. They, they sh- ideally should start with what, like you said, Hank, where they start with groups of things and they, they count by one, counting on. Um, eventually they should get to the point where they look at the place value of numbers and adding quicker. So there is that aspect, but you're right. There's the further end of common core and some of these algorithms and approaches to maths where it's breaking things down to the nth degree that it doesn't need to go into. Yes. I agree. A thousand percent. I still, uh, just the other day, um, our oldest daughter, I broke down like a, like three digit plus three digit. And then, showed her how you start with this, the the ones, the tens, the hundreds. And even for me, when I'm having like a lot of things I can do in my head, but some things I can't. And that's exactly how I do it. You drop down, you carry the one over, you drop down, but also learning decimals and learning each each value of each space, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, but I feel like, and Kyle, I feel like I can speak for you um as well speaking back to what drew had mentioned earlier where we were taught through basically muscle memory it was repetition it was timed quizzes um i remember getting in the third grade getting pages that had probably 144 different you know it was your like your nines and your 10, your multiplication factors, but they were just scrambled throughout the page and you had three minutes to go through the whole paper or whatever it was. Yep. Yep. And that's, and then, you know, we would go like another exercise would be each, we would go child to child and each child would get a question and until pretty much everybody had done them all. And that's how we learned. And it seems like that's not how they're learning anymore. Like they're not learning through the ability to snap, snap to it, snap to it. It's more of take your time, break everything down to the most critical. Yeah. Like, but like in, in the, in the idea delivery of break everything down they're they're overcomplicating it because some things just Mm -hmm. don't need to be broke down. And you, you find this happens in education within the West quite a lot that 
the approach to curriculum changes over time. There's the fad of the of the moment where yeah. it might be rote learning, which we were we we were exposed to when we went through education. Then they say that's too regimented and it stifles kids' creativity. So they go to an open learning format, an inquisitive learning type of approach, self-driven learning. And then they find it's too open. It's not focused enough. Kids just aren't learning. So we're going to go back to the old one. They flip-flop so often that educational outcomes don't generally get any better. And this is the uncomfortable conversation people aren't willing to have within the system that we keep throwing more and more money at education in the West (laughs) and the outcomes aren't getting any better. Well, don't you know, Drew, money's a problem to everything. Right, yeah. Let's give you another couple of billion and that should solve it. You know, we're about halfway to our GoFundMe goal of saving climate from climate change. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you're completely right, man. You know, um, you know, as you were saying that I was just sitting here thinking I'm sitting here raising hell about my daughter's current schooling environment. But I could I could guarantee there's probably somebody when I was in school her age that was raising hell about the environment that I was in. And I'm not saying that my environment was any better. I mean, for me, it was because that's what I knew at the time. You know, it, it's better in, from my perspective. But is the public school system ever, quote unquote, better? You know, I, I believe that it's been in a downhill trajectory for two or three decades now. And it doesn't seem to be trending back upwards. Um, it seems to me, and it might just be the a case of because I'm focused on it myself, kind of like when you get a new vehicle, you now you see everybody else has one of those vehicles out on the road. Maybe now because I'm seriously contemplating homeschooling, I'm noticing that everything else, everybody else, when they mention homeschooling, or, or maybe that homeschooling really is on the upswing. Maybe there's a lot of parents that like Ashley are not okay with what's in our kids' libraries that aren't okay with school boards treating our children like cash crop and feel like the only answer without facing uh, legal consequences is homeschooling. Yeah, it's it's an interesting place to be in, Hank, because even if you look at it at the mainstream approach, private schools, generally speaking, outperform public schools. Myriad of factors. Um, it could be experiences of kids at home. They could be experiencing trauma. They could have all these baggage that they bring to school with them. But they're also competing with time for the classroom teacher. In public schools, we know they're stacked in like sardines. Yep. But the system of education and the experts in academia will tell us that the number of students in a classroom doesn't impact the learning of students, which we know is complete BS. It is. But we're, but we're at a point now where it's not just the average person who's looking at homeschooling kids. Just firsthand from my own experiences, there's a bit of discontent amongst education professionals about the system. So they either go one of two ways. They generally will always send their kid to a private school most of the time. Or they start to question and wonder, hey, could we homeschool our own kid? And just for whatever reason, a lot of teachers in Australia seem to marry teachers. You have the same holidays, you have the same hours, so it seems to work. So if you're in that situation, generally, if they were to go down that route, one would stay in the system and continue to work and earn a crust while the other one stays at home and teaches. And I think in maybe 
a decade's time, we're going to see the flow on effect from the average person who's educating their kids at home and the educational professionals who educate their kids at home. And that's going to be a really big eye opener because if both of those fields outperform the public and the private system, it's going to be absolutely earth shattering for the, the current trend. I feel like if there was an easier solution to one of the biggest reasons, like why I don't want to pull my kids out of, out of school and homeschool them is my oldest daughter. She's in the school band. Uh, this is going to be her second year in the band. She really likes it. Like it, it, she really enjoys learning to play her instrument and uh, her and her little sister like to do the, the cheerleading events you know, that the, the cheerleaders do during football season. Um, it's, it's not the education that the social side of things that you worry about. It, 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 it's, it just so happens to be my daughter plays the same instrument I played when I was in school. So I could teach her, but there's no amount of anything I could teach her that could substitute for that band experience that she would get in that. And so I feel like if there were way, like if there was a way that if there was enough a community of parents that I don't know, you didn't have to rely on a school system to get your, to get your, uh, band classes, to get your cheerleading stuff, you know, and I understand that most of that is traditionally tied to a sports team or a school system. You can't tell me that we can't come up with a solution that we could give these kids their extracurriculars and homeschool them at the same time. I mean, Ashley, have, have you thought about that, you know, with y'all's kids? Yes. Um, we actually, we're still in the middle of figuring that out because Amberlynn, she's very social. So we feel the exact same way, but, um, check with, um, your school district, I'm not exactly sure how it is out there, but I know that out in California, it's depending on the district, but you could possibly have your kids still be in the band and homeschool her. It does go by district out in California, so it might be the same way out there, but it is possible to still possibly have your kids in an extracurricular activity through the school. Even cool. same with sports. So, so check into that. You can call and ask your district, yeah. but I know that's a thing. So this this is fascinating. Within Australia, we don't have like in America, all we see on, on on media and films is this big cultural understanding and connectedness to being in college football, high school football, um, elementary school sports teams. That doesn't exist in Australia within the private system. All extracurricular sports happen outside of school. Um, to different grouping and sporting organizations. So it's a bit different in that regard. But I think the thing a lot of people fall for, and my um, co-host Kaylee communicates this perfectly, and I'm probably going to butcher it. People are so concerned that if I homeschool my kid, they're going to be that antisocial weirdo that we all knew of, that one kid who came to school who had spent... Yeah, yeah, the stigma around it. The kid who was homeschooled that came to school and then was a weirdo. We all have that fear. But there's one thing you really need to keep in mind is that When we go out into the workforce and we live our lives outside of school, we don't just have social groups with people our own age. 
We work with people that are 25, 35 years older than us. We have friends, we have neighbors, people of all age groups. So you have to ask the, the question, why do we have think that kids should only socialize with people their own age? And I don't think it's an end or or equation to it. I think it's great that kids have friends their own age and peers their own age because they have similar interests and whatnot. But kids really need to be exposed to and um, have the the experiences of having friends that are older or friends that are um, have more experience so they can learn from them as well at the same time. Like we see that growing up. When we have cousins... We don't have cousins that are always the same age. We can have older cousins. We can have younger cousins. It builds in that dynamic of being a role model for people younger than us or looking up to people who are more experienced than us. So I wouldn't get too bogged down and tied into the minutiae of what's their social life going to be like because there's always alternatives outside of school for that. And I think if your friend, if your child currently does have a strong friendship in a school, if they are really good quality friends for your child, and you've got a good rapport with that family, they won't cut you off just because you leave the school system. Mm-hmm. It'll continue after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. We'll see. I agree 1,000%. And as far as, um, like, band, I know that's a different... I, I'm sure they have, like, private lessons, but then that runs into, like, that's an extra, you know, expense that you're now paying for which is my number one fear going into homeschooling was the cost of everything and being like okay because the charter school paid for everything we had supplies books everything was covered so now that we were on our own I was like I really don't know how we're gonna be able to afford this because it looks scary and it looks expensive but there is government funding i know that's kind of like a controversial subject because some people are like well you're pulling your kid out of school to get out of like the government's you know say or whatever but it is there there is government funding for homeschoolers that's a perfect um, slap in the face for the system, though. <laughs> Get them yeah, to pay for what you want to do, right? <laughs> I was going to say, you know, quickly, if I could, um, I've paid the school system to corrupt my children thus far. I think it's only right they pay me to get get them back to what I want them to be. So I'll take that money. Yeah, I'd rather I... take their money than than me continue to pay for them to be just subjugated to the same stuff we're trying to get them them. yeah sure so sure i'll take that money Mm -hmm. i mean hell if i like that look on it because there's there's no shame in taking the i mean look if we get locked down again we all know that there's going to be another round of stimulus checks I'm going to look you in your eyes right now and tell you, I'm going to spend that money. Oh, fuck me, dude. I spent the fuck out of it too, dude. If they're going to send it to me, I've got a bank account for it, baby. And if that ain't, and it ain't going in the bank account, I can go to the Arabs on, that on the gas station on the corner, and for 3%, they're going to cash it for me. <laughs> hey, there's no shame in that game, dude. Something that I learned. Uh, it's not like me not spending it's gonna save the world so, you no, know? i mean no morally morally you're making a very good standpoint but i don't know we, we're in the states that, like i i know it's different depending on where you live but i'm in cali dude everything's fucking expensive like super expensive like i'm taking the money bro and i'm running with it i don't know what i'm gonna buy with it yet but i'm using the money and we did use the money 
and I'll take another one, but I don't. That's that's and that's part of the problem is that people get this money and they're like, oh, my God, like the government's got me. They're taking care of me like they just handed me 12. It's like, dude, 1200 bucks ain't shit. It really is getting it back in tax anyway. Considering the (laughs) hundreds of billions we don't sent to Ukraine. Yeah, it's probably a write off. Honestly, it's probably a write off for these wherever this money is coming from, like exactly where it's coming from. It's probably some sort of write off. So it, it's really no money out of their fucking pocket. But at the same time, yeah, thank, hey, no shame in that game, baby. Let's go. Well, you so know what they call it a stimulus out. check. It's not a stimulus check for you. It's a stimulus check for the economy so big businesses can get the money back. That's all it sure. is. It's cash injection into businesses that would have lost out. And Actually, then they I really want to reassure. The, they, inflate the numbers, they, just, right? they inflate the prices of everything right around the time that the stimulus cover. check comes out just to dry that money back up. That's right. Ashley, I want to try and reassure you and your concerns around costs that um, if you are a family who's decided you've pulled the trigger, yeah, we're going to homeschool, great. Don't feel so scared because you're not in the same position homeschooling families were 20, 30 years ago. We are in the technological age. There are so many teachers out there who make resources, entire curriculums that line up to a national curriculum or your local state, whatever that's county would use they have it lined up to what kids need to be learning air quotes and you can buy it for pennies on the dollar there's things like um it's called twinkle in australia which is just an online um, collection of resources it's powerpoints it's activity sheets it's lesson plans it's everything under the sun and those things generally you can access for a few dollars a month and there'll be heaps of free resources on there and there might be something you have to pay a bit extra for but We've got all the resources at our disposal that even the most average citizen has the capacity to teach their kids. And this is the thing we forget. We think that teachers are the be-all and end-all because they've went to university, they've studied education. Yeah, that is great that they understand how to teach children, but it doesn't take a qualification to teach your kids. You're their parents. You're At the end of the day, you are their greatest teacher. You are the person that's raised them. You've helped them understand the world. You are the best person because you are the one who's going to advocate for your child more than anyone else will. As much as your classroom teacher cares for your kid and they try their best and they're a nice person, end of the day, they're not your kid's blood. So end of the day, it's you. You are the be and all end all who will promote your child's education and advocate them in their learning. I appreciate that. I definitely need to hear that because that, I mean, that's so true. You you are your kid's biggest advocate and you know them better than anybody, you know, and how the best way for them to retain information and learn. And I, yeah, I agree a hundred percent on that. That's, that's huge. So Colin, Ashley, if I could, um, when y'all first set out to purchase the curriculum that y'all wanted to use, what were some things that y'all, what were some, you know, obstacles that y'all had to overcome? Because I'm prepared to be almost overwhelmed by the amount of curriculums out there that I'm going to be able to find. Mm -hmm. So I guess basically uh, a more precise question would be, how did y'all sift through the bullshit to land on the curriculum that y'all wanted to ultimately choose for your children? (laughs) 
that was definitely very overwhelming because there are a fuck ton of them. Um, I had hit up at first because I was like, okay, how do you, I don't even know where to start really. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, so we had a friend or well, it's Kyle's friend. Um, his wife has homeschooled for, you know, quite some time now. So I wrote her and she kind of sent me like a, a short list. I'm talking like a short list. And I was like, oh, that's it? Like, okay, like, I can, you know, Google all these or whatever and figure it out. As I start to Google, I realize that that is not, <laughs> there's a lot more than that. Um, so basically, like I was saying, I was super worried about cost. And um, everywhere I looked, I mean, it was pretty expensive because I was also looking for like a, um, I think they call it like, ready and go or something so it's kind of like there's no planning involved on my end like it's just there's the lesson plans are ready to go and I just pretty much have to sit there and read it or you know explain it and you know Amberlynn can go to work um those are very expensive if to purchase but I found like Drew was saying free curriculum and it's through a really, really, really good company. And I'm sure there's so much more, like, different curriculums that offer free curriculum. Um, this one is called The Good and the Beautiful. Have you ever heard of that, Drew? No, I haven't. But probably okay. very American-specific by the sounds of it. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like a faith-based, but it's not like, they're not, it's not all about that. Um, and right now, I think they offer K through 8 curriculum so i know you said your daughter's in seventh grade or she's in seventh grade now so by the time you guys are homeschooling she would be in eighth grade yeah um so that would still cover that and like i said there are so many more that you can find that is just the one that kind of stuck out to me um and yeah you see you can print it and it's also actually to purchase the curriculum curriculum it's not that expensive i think it's like 69 dollars and for per subject and um it has everything that you you would need they send you a box and it's it is the less like what i was talking about i can't think of uh the name of it like ready and go or something okay so once you have your curriculum like do you have to like get in touch with the state or a local school district or you know how do you how how do you keep the truancy officers off of your porch because i'm pretty sure you can't just be like okay i'm homeschooling and then just keep them home and get a curriculum i'm pretty sure there's some there are state laws so i am gonna send you this that I found, or it's a of all the laws. It's like the main website of all the laws in the states, and which state is more like strict, or which ones are kind of like not as strict. And I believe the one Arkansas is not very strict, so it's probably similar to California, which is for California. All we had to do was file a 
private home or private school affidavit and it um super easy to fill out by the way like really really easy and Arkansas yeah it is a very low um low requirements I'll that's definitely something you. everyone needs to look at that you need to know what the regulations are going to be mm-hmm. yep. part sure. of the world, because your state... the last thing you want is the government intervening and saying that you're putting your child at risk by not providing them with an education right um, yes. and as we know the government has to have its finger in every pie so even at, at some level you're going to have to prove that you're doing something um, within my yeah, own that's... state we have the 555 rule where you have to have 5 hours of reading 5 hours of um, writing 5 hours of numeracy a week um, so that's probably, uh, probably a good benchmark. You generally, you look at what the state does, um, and nine out of 10 times, it's probably going to be, there'd be similar things you'd have to try and achieve in the home. Not that it has to look like a school per se, and you have to have a school timetable, but there's probably certain milestones and things you'd have to make sure you're ticking off. Um, and to protect yourself, protect your family, that's probably the biggest thing you're going to have to investigate is what you need to do to be able to, to successfully run a a homeschool without having the government breathing down your neck. Yeah, I'm pretty sure is our homeschool a private school, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll show you real quick. Uh, Of course. Hold on, I'll fix that in just a second. But let me share my screen here and I'll show you what our what Ashley designed. And that is our name of our private homeschool. Richardson Sisters Homeschool Haven. Are you guys able to see that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's okay. My, my camera's on. So, I mean, I was just because I would assume that you have to prove that your children are actually doing work. Like, I would, I would, I would assume that like you have, you would have to send like, like when you give them certain tests and stuff that you would have to send like the if not the actual test like a copy of it to somewhere results yeah you know what i'm saying so that so that somebody in the state could be like okay yes that they did this and that way the parents can't just sit there and check off a checklist and the children have a no schooling what you know what i'm saying like they the children get by with no schooling whatsoever but um so like i said and I know a lot of it's state to state um, regulation. So, but I know for a fact that Arkansas is not a very like it's not um, highly regulated. So, like in California, for example, um, we have to keep an attendance log. But from every person that I've ever talked to, they're like nobody's ever checked it. Like nobody's ever randomly have been like hey let me see we need to make sure that your kid's been doing this or that or the other and let me see your attendance logs so i mean you know obviously we're gonna keep an attendance log just just in case just to cover your ass um and then there's like certain subjects that like are required to teach um and it's just your basic ones that you would learn in public school, you know, math, language arts, science, yeah. history. And yeah, you just, you literally just keep an attendance log. And I'm 
from what I was looking at, Arkansas is very, very similar to the laws in California as far as homeschooling goes. Well, I, I guess what I'm getting at, and I, and I do understand that this is a state by state case, but like with y'all, how how do how does the state know that the kids are doing what y'all claim they're doing? I mean, they. I guess you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I I thought the same thing. Like I was like, how are they going to know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And how, they just trust me. Like they right. just take my word for it. And especially what if, it if looks you're like, receiving some state funds, and that you would you think that they would be. You would think that yeah, they the, would be pretty strict about making sure that this that the children are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. And the I mean, because like when you're they're... when you're in a public school system, anyhow, you have end of the year testing. You have statewide. We call them benchmark testing. Yeah. It's basically just a test to make sure you're at where you're supposed to be at at the end of the school year on your in your specific grade level. There, I, I would assume that there would have to, you know, be some sort of aptitude test at the end of the year that for your kid to prove that they actually did the curriculum. You know what I'm saying? Like there, it yeah, just seems no, almost I too good to exactly be true. What it, that, my thoughts exactly? Because us, you know, it sounds the way like that prison. we do. We're like, okay, <laughs> this sounds yeah, like something's up. Um, but as far as I know. There's not much, like, there's no end of the, there's no benchmark test in homeschool. If you would like to, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there is a way to do that. But, like, you get a diploma in everything. Like, when I was filling out the um, affidavit, it asked, like, you want this school to give out diplomas? And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, obviously. That's so but wild. So, do you mind if I ask a question? Mm-hmm. If this, if this, the school of yours that you're setting up, your homeschool... Now, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Is it a registered business because it's a private school? I don't I don't know. They ask tax questions, but I like just like said like I don't want to answer that question just yeah. because I don't want anything to do with like, no, no, to, like God, no. put that on my taxes or whatever. I like think have to like show the I only ask that because that's probably one backdoor they could try to get into if it's a private business. But at the same time, and this is in no way financial advice, but if it's a private business, there are ways to make money out of it. And that's all I'll say. Well, you can definitely uh, write off certain expenditures. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Once again, not financial advice, but if you are thrifty, yeah, I'm definitely gonna look into that. That I mean, that makes sense. If you I'm if you have a friend that that if if you have anybody that knows a CPA or anybody that knows accounting really well, they they probably <laughs> got all kind of great hints. No, but that's you know I never even thought about it like that. Oh, are you establishing a private business? I mean, because I I don't, you know, from what Colin actually said, Drew, I don't think you have to have a business license to homeschool. But unless you have sound, a facility, but, I think that's where okay. things might get. Because then you would actually be almost legitimately trying to set up a private school, right? So, so right. if if I live next door to y'all, could I send my kids to y'all? 
because y'all yeah. are a private school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. It actually asked that on the um, affidavit, like, how many kids are attending the school? Is this an all-girl school, an all-boys school? So it seems to me that that there is a serious disconnect between the thought of what homeschooling is from a, you know, the common parent's perspective as to how homeschooling is perceived by, say, the state. It seems that the state, and, and obviously so, looks at it very much, uh, as Drew was alluding to, in a, in a business standpoint, you know, very um, not, we're just doing this from our home, and it's going to be a nice little loving family adventure. No, they're actually thinking that your home is is not going to be a home that you have now pretty much turned this into Richardson private schools you know yep. Yep. Uh, so that that I've never this really is just thought the epitome about that. of government isn't it that the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing sure it's one thing and then allows the completely alternative thing to happen which is great that we've got that option and i think you're in a great situation that by the sounds of it your state seems a lot less regulated than other states i've heard of mm-hmm. but yeah i'm thinking today you just have to cross all your t's and dot all your i's and make sure you know all the legal requirements because the yeah. last thing you need is a fine or an investigation or being hauled before a, a governing body for something that you weren't aware of mm-hmm. absolutely And I guess that's kind of where I'm at right now is as I'm slowly gathering information, because I've got the rest of the school year to, you know, up until the next school year starts to figure this out. And I'm not trying to wait till last minute, but I'm definitely not trying to build Rome in a day, but it, it, it seems like there, it's just almost a daunting task. It almost seems like I'm trying to go up against the state on behalf of my children. And I mean, in a way that is what I'm doing, but in my mind, I'm really more or less just, I'm just going to take this responsibility per se of the States. I'm I'm just going to take this back for myself. You you don't, you ain't got to worry about my kids. We're going to be all right over here. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't make it bigger than Ben Hur. Um, I think a lot (laughs) of the people, they think that they're, like you said, they're going up against the system, right? Scale it back. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to do it all at once. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a history in education and you're a parent and you're at the same time teaching yourself as you're teaching your kid, it's going to feel very overwhelming and very big all at once. I think that's something that turns a lot of people away. Not only is it the, the legal requirements, the legislations, the, the things you have to do, that can be the first door, the hurdle to get over. And the next thing is the curriculum. What the heck do I do with it? Go with what you know to begin with and teach okay. yourself over time. Um, and don't like, yeah, don't think about that. You're going up against this system, thinking about it, that you have the best interest of your child at heart and everything will flow from there. You're already at the best starting point. You've got the, the main reason, the most important reason behind your choice and why you're doing that. And sure. I think only good things can happen from there. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm very excited to, be going down this path and whether it actually leads to us homeschooling next year or it doesn't i feel like whichever choice we make for the next school year it's probably going to be one of the most informed choices that i've 
you know, me and my wife have made it and probably the, the entirety of our relationship. Um, we're not going to be sending our kids to school or homeschooling them off a whim. That's for sure. We're definitely going to be exhausting the information that's out there so that we could be making the best possible choice that we can for them. Yep. I mean, it, it hurts my soul to sit here and think that I can't trust my school system anymore. But that's honestly where I feel like I'm at is I don't feel like they have my children, my children's best interest in their uh, foremost thoughts, which is what we've been led to believe what the school system was built on. Right. You know, you well, can let me give you a us- positive. Let me give you a positive over the past three years when the majority of the world went and education schools went into lockdowns and we had remote learning a lot of parents took it upon themselves to make sure their child was was going through their learning at home. Parents were very, very hands-on. They saw the negative sides of education. They saw the positive sides of things. And the one amazing statistic that comes out of all of this, a vast majority of kids who were behind in their benchmarking, they improved by being taught by their parents. Sure. They had that one-on-one interaction. They had things broken down to them. They had the time that they really needed So what we've learned out of this whole crazy past three years in the world that has been COVID and lockdowns, parents can do it. Parents can do it a lot better than sometimes the teachers. Sure. They know their kid and they know their their capabilities and what they need to do. Which is no knock on the teacher, but like you were talking about earlier, when you've got 20 to 30 students for one teacher, I mean, just how directly involved with any one student can the teacher be? It's the, un- you know. it's the unfortunate side of things. There's not enough hours in the day. If And I think every teacher that's worth their, worth their medal, worth their salt, they would say, I don't have enough hours in the day to get to every student. So True. they have to get creative in how they do it. They might stream groups. They might have a group of kids who need extending because they've already understood the content. So while the rest of the groups are going on with the learning task, I'll pull those kids away and I'll have a one-on-one quick five to 10 minute um, teaching session. Or vice versa, kids who need to be lifted up who are who are falling behind. Okay, while everyone else is quietly reading, I'll run a small session with these kids. That's what good quality teachers should all be doing. Unfortunately, as average citizens, we know that isn't happening in every single classroom around the world. I'm it's sure. just the reality of it. I mean, back so when that's I was why, in even school. if you're not taking your kid out of the system, you have to be heavily invested in your own kids' education for them to get ahead. Absolutely. Like, I mean, back when I was in school, I had a, a math teacher and math has never been my strong suit. Anything past pretty simple algebra is beyond me. I can't retain it. I can learn it. I just can't retain it for any amount of time. But we had this lady and she's Filipino. Great lady. Love her to death. Her and her husband are great people. Oh, I've been out of school for over 10 years and they still call me by my first name when they see me love these people (laughs) but she speaks especially when you know back then she spoke a very broken english good enough to teach a a class of kids but i mean it 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 was it, it was choppy at best and she flat out told us i don't care at the end of this in the class if all 30 of you 
or none of you understand what I just said. Tomorrow we're continuing on in the curriculum because the state told me that on this day in the calendar at the end of the year, we have to be at this point in the book and by God, we're going to be there. And does that make her a bad teacher or a bad person? Or does that make her somebody who has literally has her hands tied because of the state and their regulations where she has to make a choice? Do I get my children to the point of the book where the state told me to, whether they understand this stuff or not, or do I maybe not even make it halfway to that point, but they understand everything up to, you know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. I don't think, I I think, I think it's too easy to look at these teachers and be like, Oh, you're a good teacher or you're a bad teacher based off of what our perception of their choices are. You know, and and this, this is what breaks teachers. Like everyone steps out of university. Who's come from, I think not everyone. I'll say most people. Uh, and I think the best of people, I would like to think that every teacher steps out of university wanting to go out and make a difference, change lives, teach kids, improve the system from what it currently is. But the earth shattering and groundbreaking point is when you get into the system and you realize not a lot is changing, not a lot can be done because like you said, Hank, your hands are tied in so many aspects Sure, And that's why we see a lot of good quality teachers leave education. Um, I think now we're in this age of digital technologies, homeschooling's really taking off where a lot of these professionals who used to be in teaching, whether that's private or, or public, they are going out on their own and they're creating, especially in the States, things like um, teaching hubs and little community groups where it's like an opt-in or buy-in system where they create the curriculum and help deliver it to families. They may not necessarily be teaching your child, but they provide the resources and the expertise and how to do so. Um, they can be uber expensive, which we've discussed earlier in this episode. But I think with the more and more people that are going down that route, the probably the prices are going to balance out at some point where it is attainable for the average family who wants to go down that route. Sure. And I really hope we're in a, an educational revolution at the moment where there's going to be that third tier. It's no longer be public or private. It's going to be public, private or home. And I think that's how we really get equitable education across society because we're going to have, well, we'll be spoiled for choice. We're going to have options. It won't be the illusion of choice where you either have the public system because you can't afford private. You're going to have that third option, which is going to be an alternative. Sure. Sure. And, um, I think that it, you know, it's really important to just try to have as big of a network of people as you can, whether they're doing home, if, you know, they, they don't all have to be homeschooling. If you're doing homeschooling, you know, keep as many parents and, and people in your network as you can, because you never know when this night's homework might fall into their alley. You know, that might be something there, you know, five minutes of explanation is all that you need to get it across uh, to any, any parent that's listening to this or anybody that might be in this situation anytime, just, just don't sell yourself short. I understand that we're not all professors ourselves like the fabulous Drew Misson over here, <laughs> Oddly, <laughs> but, but you would be surprised what you could do if you have the, 
teacher's material, if you've already got all the answers to the test, so to say, <laughs> you would be surprised how much you could teach your children. Uh, you don't, I, and I, and I can firmly say this having not even stepped one pinky toe into the homeschooling world, but I'm sure that Ashley and Kyle would agree with this, that you don't have to know anywhere close to everything. You, you've just got to know that you love your kids and that you want the best for them. And that, that if you do your due diligence and picking your curriculum, I think that the delivery of the curriculum will almost take care of itself. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It it definitely was um, more so for Ashley than me because I'm out working and she's trying to figure all this out. Like, how do we do this? Where do we start? I mean, you, you kind of already heard that, but um, yeah, I think really dude, you just love your kids and, and have, have faith, man. And I think it's going to, it'll all work out man. it'll all work out. Yeah, don't be afraid to fail either. Like if you, it happens to even teachers in classrooms, you can deliver a lesson and you go, whoa, that didn't go the way I expected. The kids <laughs> just didn't grasp the content or they understand what I thought they would. What do I do? You've got to be reflective. And as a parent, it becomes a little bit more challenging because you're going to have to go away and go, okay, my daughter didn't understand the way I delivered that lesson. So what's another way I can do it so she can understand or he understand? Sure. It's going to be a massive learning curve for, for yourself as well, but- if you go on that journey with your kids, you're going to have your ups and downs, but think about the experiences you're going to be building together. I think at the end of the day, as long as you're, I don't see, cause I don't see anybody homeschooling from a, from a place of negativity. I think, I think if you're even considering homeschooling, then you obviously are a caring parent. Um, Probably a place of concern more than anything else. Absolutely. And I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that everybody that's homeschooling is unhappy for the same reasons. I mean, there's several different reasons why, why you could choose to homeschool. And I don't think there's any wrong reason to choose to homeschool or not. You know, I'm not, I'm not against keeping your kids in a public school system. If you can honestly trust that school system, if you can, you know, verify that there's not, materials in the classrooms and in the libraries and in the curriculums that you don't agree with then by all means but i mean it's a strange situation though fellas that we if you choose to homeschool your kid and you're from a place where your child can attend physical schools there's this social stigma that you're doing the wrong thing but if you live in a really rural or remote area where there are no physical schools it's just expected that you teach your kid from home and it's perfectly fine we have to switch that thinking as a society that it's okay to teach your kids. Like sure. as much as as much as I my job's completely dependent on having students come into a school, like like that's my job. I think it's it's really wrong to think that parents can't do that or shouldn't have the ability to do that. I'll tell you this. If I was in if I was in Australia or exactly where you were at or you were in, in California, California <laughs> Um, I would be fucking honored to have you teach my kids, but unfortunately we're not in that situation because I do think there's a lot of great teachers out there. No doubt, like no doubt. Um, but yeah, no, it's tough. It's, it's definitely tough. And it's, um, again, no judgment because I know a lot of families that want to homeschool, but they don't, they're, they're not able to, 
especially, I mean, I'm not going to like seclude certain states, but for us, everything is so expensive in California. Like the fact that we homeschool, we suffer in, in, in another way. Like, yes, our kids are not going to be indoctrinated and we can teach them the way we feel is correct. But at the same time, now I'm the only sole income. And as you guys well know, in most states, most of the United States, you can't be the only sole income. They, they sure. have the prices are so high, inflation so high that you need both parents to really make it happen. I mean, we're skimming. I mean, we are skimming by. When I say skimming by, we don't have no fun money to go to the zoo or go fuck the zoo anyhow. But that's a different story. But um, <laughs> we don't have money to go do all this extra shit, but that's okay. You know, but it, it's a sacrifice for sure. And if you're a single parent trying to homeschool and provide an income, my hat's off to you. God bless you. It's, it, it's short-term pain for long-term gain, yep. though, especially when you're sitting setting your child up ideally for success throughout life it's the the time that you're at school is a blip in the radar in the entirety of your lifetime so but it's also some of the most important years of your life absolutely i mean one thing that i will say at least school back when i was a kid was good for was learning the meaning of social repercussions (laughs) learning that I don't need to say every single thought that forms between these ears (laughs) because a wide variety of, of consequences lay on the other side of these lips, whether it be getting the hell beat out of me, getting suspended, you know, getting, getting jumped, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, different, punishments for being socially ignorant that they're that they're no longer are today and like I there's the inverse of that there's the inverse that also Hank, where people (laughs) through the system feel like they can't speak their mind in certain situations or won't say things for the fear of offending when it's not the intention to so it's that balancing act of where does social um balance and interaction outweigh um, diversity of thought and expression so it's it's a minefield to navigate but i guess that kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier about not getting too hung up on the social um what's the word the the social side of of homeschooling your kids because there are there is alternate alternate um methods of having your kid and having them with a social life uh school isn't the only answer for kids hanging out yeah i get that but i don't know it's pretty powerful when you when you wear some really stupid shit to school and the whole class and the whole school turns <laughs> around and ooh you know, so if you, you got if you got Walmart, if you got like a Walmart brand on, <laughs> and then everyone else has got the cool brands. Oh, dude, it is. It, 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 you're you're right there. And there is something definitely that is to be said about that, because you, not that I condone bullying, but I definitely condone getting your ass humbled every once in a while yep. and realizing <laughs> that that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Well, it builds resilience. It's a great place for that. (laughs) 
but but you know i i definitely see that there's significantly more pros to homeschooling than there are cons well we're, i'm looking forward i'm looking forward to your journey um i can send you a lot of shit a lot of stuff that that ashley has came about and if the time whenever the time is right and cal because at first I, I i was like babe send hank all the stuff that you got and she's like honestly as a woman like, I feel like I'm not going to be just writing Hank and sending him a bunch of shit. Like, if, <laughs> if Callie, she goes, you can send it to him. I didn't even think about it like that, but it's, you know, it's respectable. Because um, you never know, you know, like, who's this bitch sending you all this shit? <laughs> you know, that's normal, dude. That's, that's normal. That's it's me. normal. That's it's all right. Experience. Yeah, it's it's normal. I get it. I get it. I mean, you can call it what you want to call it, but it's it's uh, uh, it's a respect thing. Yeah, so, then you know, like, I can just send it. She's right, primarily going to be the one homeschooling. Is yeah, because much <laughs> like you alls situation, I'm yeah. going to be at work. Fuck them exactly. kids. So then I can just like talk straight <laughs> to her. So I was telling Kyle, like, we should maybe just set up like little Zoom meeting and we can all chat. And then you doesn't know, have to be recorded, exchange. not recorded. Just let's just chat, yeah, talk. And if I have, you know, something I can, I have lots of little tips and things that I've came across so i can send them that could be even really great for the kids as well because you could set up a zoom buddy system instead of having pen pals once a week you catch up with your zoom buddy and you talk about what you've been up to and everything didn't even think about that great let's go yep ellie's so adorable yeah yeah so real quick before we wrap up i do have to say she's got a little mark on her head right Okay, so let me just break this down real quick. This is—it's not funny. All right, it's a little—it's a little funny. Um, so she was sitting on our couch. Have you guys ever seen the show Ridiculousness with Rob Deerdeck? Yeah. Okay. Not say I have. Okay, it's all right. You're, You're not, not missing, missing out on anything. much. <laughs> so he does this segment, which when I was younger, I was able to watch this. I, I, I've. I've watch the deepest darkest nastiest shit online when i was windows 98 when it first came out dial up i mean rotten.com i do not recommend it i might even bleep that one out it's terrible i don't even know if it's still active are you familiar with rotten.com unfortunately i am yes i know what it is okay so you are missing out on something on that one (laughs) ah yeah anyhow really gruesome brutal nasty bad shit don't recommend it at all. But anyhow, so Rob Deerdick has this thing called it, it's a sports show. He's a professional skateboarder. He had like a fantasy factory, all that shit. But he did his own like, he like com- the funniest he, he com- Yeah, he, it's type. kind of a it, but it, there's nothing yeah. funny about it, in my opinion. It's terrible. It's like dudes, you know, grinding on a thing and they split their nuts, all that bad shit. Terrible, terrible. See, how- yeah, baby. I know it sounds weird. I'm talking about this. I have my daughter here. I promise you, she's <laughs> not understanding a word that I'm saying. I hope that's what you but, think. Uh, one of the things, one of the things that that happens is, is when you do, it's called the scorpion. So when you fall face first, but your legs wrap around and touch oh. the back of your head. So we were, I think I was on a park. I think I was on a podcast. No. She slipped off of the couch. And went face for, and I barely caught it. And her her legs touched the back of her head, 
and oh, it was Lord. terrible. I mean, it's funny now, but at the time, obviously, it was there was nothing funny about it. But it's um, flexible, the very flexible, yeah. very flexible. But yeah, thank goodness she's she's recovering. She got a rug Rubs burn out of the whole thing. But just like Kyle, yeah, I got horns, right? So don't, I'm not, I'm not a devil, so I'm not a demon, but I have horns that pop out. You can see them right here, which is why I usually keep a hat on, um, because it's just weird. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, I got bumps here. They're, yeah, I had like two concussions by the time I think it was five. They're not very graceful. No, we're not graceful. <laughs> Accident prime by the hands of it. Accident yes. prone. But anyhow, I have one. Oh, sorry, shit. real here quick question, Drew. Go what for it. do you think about the unschooling approach? <sighs> it's. I understand its merits, right? But at the same time. I think everyone needs some kind of a, a regiment and a routine in their lives. So yeah. you don't have to go down the full route of having nine till 10 we're working on maths from 11 to 12. It doesn't have to be like that. As long as you're covering your curriculum needs in the day, it can look like anything you want to. Um, right. So that side of unschooling I think is great because you can really tailor it to the needs of your child and your family. Um, there's no reason why you can't have some of your lessons at night or in the afternoon. It doesn't have to all be within the generic school day. So mm -hmm. there's definitely aspects of the Prussian model, which you can definitely weed out and you don't need. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, it's, I don't think it's an either or. It's find what fits in with you and your life. Yeah. I, I am very interested in it, and I've been doing, you know, looking a lot into it. So I just wanted like someone who is an actual, you know, teacher to be like, ah, or, you know, actually it's not like a bad idea. I do feel that maybe for like younger kids, it might be more beneficial to kind of do that, you know, take that approach with things. But um, I, I also think that it is very important for them to learn you know, your basics. And um, so, yeah, I just, I, I appreciate that. No worries. Your yeah, there's, opinion. there's, there's the basics that, um, and it's a weird thing, unschooling. I think it's more so unschooling of um, system built practices more than it is the actual content itself. You're still going to be teaching the content. It's just the, the manner in which you deliver it and your child accesses it. I um, okay, an example okay. might be not all kids are ready to learn at nine o'clock in the morning or eight thirty, whatever time your school day starts. Some kids wake up groggy because they've been up all night playing iPads or they've had no sleep. Not mm -hmm. all people are ready to learn at the same time. And if it means that you start an hour later, your timetable looks different. If you even have a timetable, you know, you do you boo. That's the whole idea of homeschooling. <laughs> You're doing it for your family's needs. I think that's the, the beautiful thing about it is, it gives you the ability to be as flexible as you need to be. Amen. Yeah, it is. And, it is. and I think that's that's awesome. I mean, it, that's I'm what not... we're doing is trying to get away from the 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 indoctrination machine, right? And part of that indoctrination machine, like Drew was speaking to, is the eight to nine. You're going to sit down in this seat. You will not move. You will not speak unless you're spoken to, and you're just going to absorb. 
when the bell well, goes, you can eat. When the bell yeah. goes again, you line yeah. up. That's just factory model for Where routine stuff. Where homeschooling job. gives you the ability to, hey, we're going to go sit outside in the backyard and we're going to cover chapter two and three of this social studies book and talk about yep. some stuff or, or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? You can or, set up a or, table in your garden, dude. Yeah. You can yeah. put a little table out, out front and make Hell, it Hell, make gardening a, an elective. Let's yeah. go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make washing dishes another elective. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. I so, might yeah, I, I'm gonna add that to the I, I So think for both that... of you for both of you guys, you're you are in the educational revolution that I think is going to hopefully have some really big imp- uh, implications on society and how we think about education. And I wish you all the best. Uh give me my you. prayers. I bless you and everything you're doing. I think personally from my own point of view having children at home with one parent, particularly the mother is so important in society. And by not outsourcing your child's education to the system, it's better for your child's growth. Um, Even for people who have to have their kids in the system or want them in the system, by all means go for it, but please don't put your kids into early childhood where they're competing for the attention of an adult at such a young formative age. That's just for the listeners. Yep. Drew, we, we definitely appreciate that, and so we, and thank you for coming on. I know it's been a it's been it's been a long time. You've had a, we've got a lot of shit going on today, but I, I uh, I'll speak for myself, and and they can speak. But thank you so much, um, uh, Hank Ashley. I don't know if you guys have anything to add, but uh, after you do, let's let everyone know where they can find Drew. We're actually gonna. I think I'll we'll, we'll talk, but I have an idea for the name of this podcast. And I think it's going to be uh, homeschool, homeroom. Sounds good. Educating something like that. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> plug, we're gonna plug you in there, man, because we we appreciate it. I wasn't here the whole time. Oh, there goes our camera. But anyhow, we're still here. I'm done. Um, Thank you. Before so much. we uh, wrap it up. Drew, you know I love you, man. Uh, Kate, thank you enough for coming and hanging out with us. Uh, really, one of the probably most important conversations I've been a part of since this whole podcasting deal started for me. Um, and I only say that because it's going to have very serious direct implications on me and my children's lives. This, this already has direct implications on Ashley and Kyle's life. And even though you're not in the homeschooling world yourself, being a man of education, as you, as you are, it does touch your life very, very personally and directly. Uh, So just once again, thank you for coming and spreading your, your wisdom on us uh unworthy souls and and i really do you uh hope you have a great rest of your day over there because it was somewhere in the early afternoon over there yeah about 2 30 at the moment so i still got the rest of the day ahead of me which is good well i i wish you a, a most enjoyable day send the uh send our best thoughts and wishes and uh to kaylee let her know that we'll yeah. be keeping her in our yeah. prayers and tell her not to feel bad or anything we it there is no need to apologize for anything like you know you said, uh, she's doing a very important job she's she literally well, doing we'll have Lord's to organize work. a follow-up episode two, once, let's go or more to say hey sure. let's go maybe we can maybe we can meet back up after 
after I've dug up, you know, looked into some more stuff myself, I'm a little bit more, you know, informed myself next time. Yeah, we could definitely revisit this down the line. This was this was a great conversation, man. I've I've come away with so much from this. Uh Kyle and Ashley, thank you for y'all's wisdom. You know I love y'all. Um love you too, brother. I don't want to give Drew all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> My head's getting bigger over here. Uh thanks thank for having me on. So thanks much. for having us on. No uh, no problem anytime. Um always happy to help people out. If you've got any questions, you can always um DM me privately and it might take a while for me to get back to you with the time differences, but I'll, I'm more than happy to give advice and help out where I can. You're a lot quicker than a lot a lot of other people, I'll tell you that. So you're doing good. <laughs> the... Yeah. And I'm not talking about you, Hank. You're, you're pretty – you're quick. You're a quick shooter, dude. It's all well, good. As quick as I can be. <laughs> uh, with, well, we'll leave it at that. With that being said, Drew, why don't you let our, our lovely listeners let, us, let them know where they can find you at? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Drew Misson and my co-host is the lovely Kaylee. Uh, we have a podcast called The Homeroom Educating Educators. Uh, we're aiming at having that as a, a monthly show um, where we just talk about and discuss the differences between homeschooling, private, public, um, and how parents can help their children in their child's education, no matter what setting they're in. Nice, nice. And for myself, y'all know that Y'all can come check me out on my conspiracy podcast show, the 643 Conspiracy Podcast. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Got my link tree in the Instagram bio. If you want to support the show, there's a link for that in there. Uh, Go check out purepetblevins.com, promo code 643 for 20% off. Uh, Go check out dangerousworldpodcast.com. Go get yourself some conspiracy soap. That shit is amazing. I love it. I I'm a I love it. I I genuinely enjoy getting into the shower since I've got my four pack in. Like I smell so good. It's amazing. I've I've used Dove antibacterial soap forever. Like I don't get wild with my soap, and so like I get to <laughs> did, actually did smell it, good. Did it get rid of that yeast infection? <laughs> oh, you're a motherfucker! <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, y'all go show them some love. Um, Y'all it worked me for me, dude. It worked up. for me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Kyle, what you got going on your way, bro? Uh yeah, man. Sunday night. You know, you can find us on Sunday night. You want to? You want to hear some really fucked up, fucked up, terrible shit that'll like mess with your head a little bit. We got PizzaGate Part Five coming out. It's oh. pretty bad, dude. It has to get out there, but it's pretty bad. You got myself, Bo Diggles, um, over there. You know, chopping it up. Other than that, that's it, man. That's it. Um. Again, thank you everyone for being here. Uh, but always remember this. This is something kind of new, but but ask yourself this question. How are you living, man? How are you living? How are you living? How are you living? This, this podcast, we're you know, we're trying to be better versions of ourselves. I do. Um, hopefully in the next couple of episodes or the next seasons, I, I'll be drinking a lot less of these and drinking a lot more of healthy stuff and, you know, just trying to better ourselves. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's all I got, man. Thank you guys for coming on. You have a blessed day. All of y'all. Love you all. Stay fly. Be kind. Thank you, guys. We'll catch y'all later, Gators. Thank you. Hasta la pasta. Peace. Bye.